Hey, BSN Denver listeners. We're really excited to tell you about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. Their reviews are incredible. Make sure you check them out today. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS, and has helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural. It's also not psychoactive, and the coffee is rich and tasty. We could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout. That's promo code BSN2018 to get your StravaCraft coffee for 20% off and shipped straight to your door. Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Joined by a special guest, Mason Plumwood. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in LA. <laughs> Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and yeah. cut him off, yeah. I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. That <laughs> a special guest, Darrell Arthur. When did you first realize Nicole Jokic was good? He was in Philadelphia for Jameer's kind of like team bonding thing, and I knew it right away that he was going to be good. He was making great passes and good reads and stuff like that, and I said, this kid's going to be good. He's turned out to be a star. He has a great upside to him, and I know he'll be a Hall of Famer once he's done playing. And now, here's your hosts, Harrison Wind and Christian Clark. Welcome to a brand new edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by Inwego, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver with promo code BSN50. Harrison Wynn and Christian Clark here. A lot to get to today on Monday's show. I guess technically we've got two games to talk about. The win over the Spurs on Friday and then this win over the Suns on the back-to-back Saturday night in Phoenix, Jamal Murray's 46-point game. I think we'll focus most of our attention on this latest win against the Suns is the one that most present in our minds, and certainly a lot we can get into on that. Denver improves to 23-11 and on the season with the wind. Still top spot in the Western Conference, 9-8 and on the road. They broke a road losing streak, which was a good sign for sure. Christian, how are you? How was your weekend? Good to have you here. Uh, it was pretty good, Harrison. Um, over Christmas, I got sent a crockpot and a pressure cooker. Um, do you know? Like, do you need both? Is there is there room to use both? What am I going to do with both of those things? I don't know. You're the cooker here. Yeah, I don't know. There, it feels like <laughs> you're a lot asking of the wrong there. guy, buddy. You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, yeah. I've got plenty of things to cook meat and other things in. One slow and one apparently faster. Although I do love meals out of crockpots. Yeah, it's like the longer you cook something, the better it usually is. If you're using, you know, crockpot type stuff, barbecue stuff, longer is usually better. I just did some basic research, and I think a pressure cooker is basically like a crockpot. Only it's a much quicker process. Right, like it's just it's just steam in there. It gets much hotter in there. Yeah. Nothing can get out. Hence the name pressure cooker. So, yeah. also, I'm kind of worried about blowing up my apartment though. Yeah, man, I might have to come over for uh, for some meals here pretty soon. See you cook me up something. Yeah, well, I've got insurance on the apartment in case something goes wrong. Do you have like cooker. a signature dish? What is your the signature Christian Clark dish that he's whipping up on Friday afternoon when you get off work and you're getting ready for the weekend? What are you cooking? Oh, uh, I make pulled pork a lot in the oven, just like a 10-pound pork shoulder. Mm. And I'll just make por- pulled pork sandwiches, probably that. This is enough cooking talk. No? Okay. Well, I, I, you whip up some crazy meals, so 
I was letting you go in, but let's go to this game here. Nuggets win 122-118 over the Phoenix Suns. The headliner, Jamal Murray, 46 points, second highest scoring output of his career. Of course, he had that 48-point game against the Celtics earlier this year. 16-24 from the field, 9-11 from three, six rebounds, eight assists. What was one of your bigger takeaways from this night and Jamal Murray's game? Uh, probably how much he was able to raise his three-point percentage with one freaking game. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a guy raise his three-point percentage by like three percentage points in one game in, in late December. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, you see that early in the season, but you don't usually see that when you're 33 games into a year. I don't, I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen a guy go nine for 11, like get 10 threes off at least. It's unbelievable. I mean, what did Clay Thompson how many did he make when he when he set the record earlier this year? Yeah, I'm like 13, 14. But he got up like 24. Right. Like 9 for 11 is insane. Yeah, it was a huge night, and he was definitely feeling it. He had that Jamal Murray swagger, like I always like to say. He had it in that Spurs game uh, the night before, too, where, what do you have, 31 in that game? It's probably the best back-to-back games of his season, maybe of his career. Yeah, he had that swagger, that confidence, that... We've seen it a lot this season, but not as much as I think a lot of people thought we would. Of course, he was the trendy pick for most improved player. Got off to that slow start shooting the ball, but his confidence never wavered. And as most of us thought, he's going to have nights like this. And, you know, I said this after the Spurs game, but maybe this is the beginning of him pulling out of this season-long shooting slump. Uh, A couple nights where you go like he did from three-point range. I forget what he did against the Spurs, but it wasn't 9 of 11 territory, but it was pretty close. When you have a couple games like that, that does a lot for you. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him go on a bit of a run here. Yeah, last year was the start of December that really got him going. Maybe we look back a couple months from now, and it was this end of December stretch, a little bit later than than he started cooking last year. But he needed nights like these, man. I mean... Things were just getting really, really bad. That that his performance Wednesday in San Antonio, four for nineteen from the field, mm. was just really difficult to watch. And you look at the percentages, you know, at the time, and you go, "How is a guy with this good looking of a stroke, who had such an efficient season shooting the ball last year and in college shooting the ball this poorly?" It just didn't make any sense. He he really needed these two games. And this one against the Suns. It was a great game from Jamal, one of the better ones he's played, maybe the best game he's played of his career. I think this 46-point game was definitely better than the 48-point game against Boston because of just how efficient he shot for the field. Just 24 shots, 9 of 11 from 3, 6 rebounds, 8 assists, 2. It also helps that he was going against the Phoenix Suns team that is probably, I don't know if they're the worst in the league. I'm not sure if they're worse than Atlanta or Chicago. Uh, but they're definitely in that tier, in that bottom tier of NBA teams. Not the best defense in the world. Uh, DeAnthony Melton, he was going against a rookie. Devin Booker, he's not going to put up too much of a fight on the defensive end of the floor, so that helped too. Yeah, I've seen so many tweets lately like, Devin Booker is tearing it up in his last 10 games. Why doesn't he get more respect? Because you guys freaking stink. That's why he doesn't get more respect. <laughs> Whoa, you got, okay. You got you to gotta win to get respect. Like, okay. I mean, I'm not like a hater on Devin Booker's game or anything, but like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's put up numbers in the early part of his career, and they've stunk. 
Who are these guys that are tweeting Devin Booker? Oh, it's like the SB Nation Suns blog and mostly Phoenix-based writers, which uh, it's probably to be expected. Like, if, if this the Nuggets were in this situation, like, most people that cover the Nuggets are probably doing the same thing, to be honest. This is probably what people covering the Nuggets did three years ago when, during Nikola Jokic's rookie season. Yeah, I don't know. I, why I, doesn't this guy get any respect? Well, your team sucks. That's why. But they didn't suck. They immediately started winning when Jokic came on the scene. And yeah, but I mean, they were still under 500 that year, 40 and 42. I don't think the Suns are going to approach 40 wins. Really? They're at 9 and 26 right now? You don't think? They've won like 5 of 8 or something like that. Yeah. Well, what else did you like about Jamal Murray's night? Um, his rebounding was great. Again, six defensive rebounds, eight assists. I thought he really playmaked pretty well, moving the ball, doing a lot of the point guard stuff that we've seen from him sometimes more than other times. Uh, what else stood out to you about his night? Yeah, I mean, we could talk about the scoring all day. It was it was just incredible. Um, I feel like the eye of the tiger should be playing in the background when he gets on one of those runs. I need, I need some background music when Jamal Murray gets that hot. It's pretty crazy, so, especially some of those contested mid-range shots were, were just nuts that he was hitting in the fourth quarter. One thing that did stand out to me, though, was I thought this was a, a great Murray-Jokic game and just the chemistry that those guys played with. They feasted in the pick-and-roll DHOs. Jokic assisted on five of Murray's 16 field goals. Murray assisted on four of Jokic's eight. I mean, really, those guys just, just propped each other up all game long. I think in the early part of the season, the chemistry between those two guys was a work in progress for whatever reason. A lot of turnovers when Murray tried to get the ball to Jokic. Jokic was visibly frustrated a number of times beginning part of the season. They have worked out those kinks. I think Murray and Jokic have played great together lately. Yeah, they really have. Uh, it, it's been awesome to watch. Such a great two-man pairing. And it has come a long ways from where they were at the beginning of the season. They were not on the same page at the start of the year, really from game one to I don't know, I'd say maybe game 18, game 20, they kind of struggled to get on the same page together. Ever since then, they've been really connected, playing really well off one another, like you said, in DHOs and pick and rolls, really knowing where each other like the ball. So it's been really fun watching them get off together. I don't think Jamal Murray's shooting struggles had to do with his injuries, though, Christian, because he rolled his ankle pretty bad against the Spurs. And then 24 hours later, it comes back and has this type of shooting night against Phoenix. Yeah, pretty consistently, whenever you'd ask Michael Malone about Murray's struggle shooting the ball um, really through this first third of the season, he'd say, yeah, he's not making shots like he used to. And then he'd always slip in there at the end. Oh, he's also been dealing with some injuries too. Um, I guess I shouldn't say like, the injuries have nothing to do with it, but he certainly didn't show any ill effects from that ankle injury he suffered the night before. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible they're related in some small way, but I think the biggest issue was Jamal Murray just wasn't making good looks. Like, just go right. look at the number of wide-open threes that, he was, that he's been getting in the early part of the season. He's just shooting wide-open threes much worse than he did last year. Yeah, I mean, 9 of 11, a bunch of those were wide open. A bunch of those were contested. There were some tough shots in there, and he makes those kind of shots when he gets rolling. He's probably one of the better tough shot makers in the league when he gets rolling, when he gets in one of those zones like he yeah. was in last night. Yeah, I mean, that that one, I think, in the fourth quarter where he started on the right side of the floor, came off Jokic's screen, and he was going left, and he just faded and sunk it right in DeAndre Ayton's grill. I mean, mm -hmm. DeAndre Ayton, I know he's not a great defender, but that dude's seven foot one. I mean, he's a pretty big dude. 
What are your thoughts on Aiton? Oh, I mean, he's he's going to be a beast on the offensive end. He already yeah. is. That that second quarter was insane. It was. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a, uh, probably a little bit softer than I would like. I mean, I, I never like to see a seven foot one dude getting blocked at the rim by a six foot four point guard. That's what Murray did to Aiden in the first quarter. Aiden has a long way to go on the defensive end, but I mean, he's going to be a good NBA player. Like, there's no question. Yeah, he's going to put up numbers for sure. I mean, 33 and 14, 16 to 20 shooting for Aiden. Let's talk about Jamal Murray in the big picture sense because, man, people had been really down on him locally here. Uh, just people we work with, go to games with, talk nuggets with, people in the Denver media. People have been super down on Jamal Murray really for most of this season. Some people wanting to bring him off the bench for Monte Morris. Some people wanting to ship him out of town and get another point guard in here who might fit with Nikola Jokic a little more naturally. What we've been saying the whole time has been pretty consistent, I think. Jamal Murray is 21. We know he's going to be a good shooter. We know he can score the ball. He's got instincts that are much wiser beyond his years. He's so young. He has such a high ceiling. Just be patient with him, and he'll probably have a lot of nights like this. So I think a lot of that talk was premature earlier this year. It makes a big difference when his shot is going down for sure. But nights like this, they make you remember just how high of a ceiling he's got. Yeah, man. I mean, it's hard to remember that this guy is just 21 years old. I mean, I can understand the instinct to want to be angry after he goes four for 19 in San Antonio. That was an extremely frustrating performance. If, if Murray just shoots like 40% of that game, the Nuggets probably don't drop that one, right? But yeah. you got to take the long view with this guy. Murray, I mean, there weren't that many guys who scored the ball as efficiently as much as Murray in, in their age 20 seasons. That list is not very long. What he's able to do last year was really impressive in my mind. And I think this guy's got so many other qualities too that I just want on my team. Like, this guy is a crazy worker, and I think he's got this cockiness, which the Nuggets actually need, but he doesn't let that cockiness, you know, he doesn't hijack the offense ever. Um, I think he's a, a pretty good teammate, even though he does probably have a pretty high opinion of himself, and he's a great competitor, too. I mean, he's just one of those guys, I want him on my team, right? <laughs> right. He, he might have some flaws, but I just want that dude on my team. He gets the ankle injury in that game against the Spurs in the fourth quarter. I think everybody in the arena knew there was no way Jamal Murray was coming out of that game, even if Monte Morris, who was at the table, set the check in for him when Jamal was down on the floor, rolling around in pain. If Monte tried to check in for him right there, I'm not sure Jamal would have come out of the game. Everybody knew he was staying in that game. You love how he can play through pain. He talked about it again after this win over the Spurs on Friday, how he grew up with his dad teaching him pain tolerance, doing push-ups in the snow, running up hills. I mean, his dad just had him do a bunch of crazy stuff to get his mental toughness up to where it needed to be. And it pays off, man. He is a, uh, he's a very confident player. He's a special player. And he can play through a lot of things. He knows how to focus his mind and just block out the distractions and block out the obstacles around him and just power forward, and I really respect it. Yeah, he's, he's a tough son of a gun. I mean, he's missed one game in his NBA career today, right? right? He, had, he had two sports hernias. He played through his entire first year. He only missed that game last year because it was a concussion. Like, there was literally nothing he could do to talk his way into playing into that game. And every other instance when he's dealt with bumps and bruises, He's, he's pretty much just forced his way into the game. Mm -hmm. 
Where do you think Jamal Murray's ceiling lies? This is something we've talked about before, but after a night like this, it's probably appropriate to have that discussion at least for a little bit. I've always said he has a ceiling in between peak Steph Curry and peak Damian Lillard, somewhere in there, just as a shooter, as a playmaker, as a scorer, as a guy you can give the ball to in the fourth quarters and just clear out the way and let him go to work. For me, that's where his ceiling lies in between those two guys. I know that's really lofty, but Jamal's just 21. He's got a lot of room to grow still. Yeah, I would probably say somewhere slightly under you know where Dame Lillard's at right now. Um, I'm a I'm a pretty big believer in, in Jamal Murray's shooting. I th- I think he's going to be an excellent shooter for a long time. You know, why, one reason why I'd have him kind of under Lillard in in his best case scenario is I don't know if Jamal has quite the shake that Dame does in his game. I think it's a little bit harder for him to to just blow by guys. So I don't know if he has that, but. I have a really high opinion of, of Jamal Murray. I mean, he's he's getting better as a playmaker. He's averaging a career high in assists this year. There are some great passes to Jokic in the pick and roll in the Phoenix game. He's a pretty good rebounder for his position, too. Um, just a quick aside, too. I think one theory for that, uh, Murray talked about he he grew up playing the five, and I'm sure yeah. a lot of guards did because, you know, even if you're a short player in the NBA, you're probably still a tall kid compared to all the other kids. But he said he still kind of has that mentality with him. I think that is one reason why, like, you see him set screens sometimes for Jokic, and Jokic is the pick-and-roll ball handler, and, and he'll go up and rebound. So I think there is, like, a toughness to, to Murray's game as well. Yeah, he is a tenacious rebounder. Tenacious rebounder. The reason I think he can be better than Lillard is because Lillard came into the league at 22, and Jamal came into the league at 19, right? Like Murray right now is younger than Damian Lillard was when he came into the NBA. You know, and now Lillard's 28, in his seventh year, obviously an all-NBA type player. But with how young Jamal is, like that's why I feel he can eclipse what Damian Lillard is right now. I'm not saying he's going to get there, but that's where his ceiling is in my mind. Well, uh, Nuggets are going to be going to a lot of Western Conference finals and maybe even finals if that's the case. <laughs> they certainly will. I mean, with Murray, Jokic, Gary Harris, Will Barton, yeah, the future is bright. It's all coming together this year nicely, I think. And yeah, we'll see what happens. Let's take a break real quick. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast. This podcast is presented by InWeGo, the subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only 39 bucks per month with no additional cost or fees. You heard that right. As many events as you can fit into your schedule for only $39 per month. Brandon Spano's here, and he's going to tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, guys, this year alone, I've been to Avalanche games, Nuggets games, Rockies games, Rapids games, Buffs games. I've been to concerts, uh, beer tastings, food festivals. I even went to a few comedy shows, so it's literally changed my life. (laughs) If it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that InWeGo can get you in. And here's where it gets good. We've partnered with InWeGo to give BSN listeners a great deal. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe to get 50% off your first month. That's right, all the events you can handle for less than $20 for your first month. Try it and fall in love with it like we did here at BSN Denver. Go to InWeGo.com slash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50. Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWeGo. On the Jamal Murray topic and... 
on the topic of his 46-point game before we move on. Right now on bsndenver.com, I compiled this afternoon, we're recording this on Sunday afternoon, a list of the top 10 individual performances this season from a Nuggets player, courtesy of BSN Denver's very own dynamic player Raider. It's an in-house analytic, an in-house metric, statistic, whatever you want to call it, that we developed here that pretty much rates every player's performance on a single game basis. And it measures that player production on a scale of 20 to 100 based on 12 different statistical categories. So you can check that out on BSN Denver. And this performance, the 46-point game against Phoenix last night, this came in second on the top 10 list of individual performances this season behind. Can you guess what it came in behind? It's got to be Nicole Jokic's perfect triple-double, right? Right. Or near perfect? Yeah. It pretty much was perfect. Uh, 35 points, 11, 11 from the field, 3 of 3 from 3, 10 of 11 from the line, 11 rebounds, 11 assists. That is the top individual performance this season per DPR. Registered a 105.64 DPR. Murray's registered a 94 Third on that list is Jokic's game against Brooklyn. 37 points, 21 rebounds, 3 assists. That registered an 87.59. Fourth was Murray's game against the Celtics when he went for 48. Of course, that was on 19 of 30 shooting, 5 of 11 from 3, so a little less efficiently there. The fifth top individual performance this season, Monte Morris against the Lakers, 20 points, three rebounds, seven assists, three steals in 27 minutes. He went six and nine from the field, two of two from three, six of six from the line. That was really the only good game that a Nuggets player had against the Lakers that night. And that was in that loss. Oh, that, that national TV one early in the season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, October 25th. So if you want to check that out further, bsndenver.com, bsnnuggets.com. It's the top 10 individual performances this season from a Nuggets player. That 46-point game from Jamal Murray Clarkson at number two on that list. So some pretty cool stuff there. This was a good win for Denver. Like I said, their ninth road win to break a bit of a losing streak away from Pepsi Center here. They almost blew it, though. Phoenix came roaring back in the fourth quarter, scored 40 points over the final 12 minutes of this game. Coming back from the dead, I thought this game was going to be a 20-30 point win for the Nuggets. What happened? What happened in the fourth quarter? Oh, my God. Uh, Nuggets definitely were in for a little bit of a scare there. I mean, for, for Denver to allow 40 points in the fourth quarter, that was pretty brutal. I mean, Phoenix drilled six threes in the quarter alone. I don't know, what four of them in like the last three minutes there. It just felt like a, a flurry towards the end. TJ Warren seems to develop into this knockdown shooter yeah. blowouts. Yeah, he did the one where like he dribbled it off his leg and just collected it and it went up. That's yeah. like an all-time like, are you freaking kidding me shot? Right. But yeah, Phoenix started hitting some shots. Denver's offense grinded to a halt. Look, this tends to happen in blowout games. It doesn't usually happen late in fourth quarters, though. This is something you usually see in a second or a third quarter. But yeah, Denver let their foot off the gas a tad. Phoenix came back. It's a good thing Denver held on because this would have been a bad loss. I'll say that. Oof. A bad loss if they would have dropped this one. Yeah, I mean, to be up by 25 and let that one go would have been brutal. Mikhail Bridges went 4-for-4 four four from three-point land, by the way, in the fourth quarter alone. It was encouraging to see when Denver really needed a couple buckets there. They just threw it to Jokic, and he went to work. Murray got him the ball in the pick-and-roll on one, and he hit a floater. 
Jokic uh, got the ball in the post against Aiton on the other, and he, and he just did his kind of um, sidestep move where he like basically puts his elbow uh, to the side of the guy to make sure he, he yeah. can't harm the shot. And you see Jokic do the little flex there to celebrate that one. Mm-hmm. Right. I've never seen Jokic flex in a game. I was like, okay. It was almost like a half flex. He yeah. didn't really want to flex, but he just kind of did it. And then was like, God, I probably shouldn't have done that. It was like a turtle poking its head out of, like a fourth of the way out of his shell for the first time. Right. Right. Yeah, it was good to see Jokic get some big buckets down the stretch. He had a great game, too, I thought. 23 points, 8 of 11 from the field, 8 rebounds, 9 assists, almost got the triple-double. And when he's in the post and when he can get that hook going – with the left elbow, kind of gets that chicken wing out there. And sometimes they'll call him for the offensive foul, but most of the time they won't. They'll let him get away with it. But he can just kind of hook the defender, propel himself by there. If he's able to get that hook on the defender, I mean, it's over. He's scoring a bucket there. That's the word I was looking for, the the chicken wing move. That's exactly what it is. That's how you get your shots off against your two huge jacked older brothers if you're Nikola Jokic. That's right. how he learned that one, I well, think. Well, that, that's also how you get a shot off against a seven-foot-one athletic beast like DeAndre Ayton, who, can probably, who probably has a vertical that's twice Nikola Jokic's, maybe even three times Nikola Jokic's. But, I mean, that's how you get a shot off against him. Just clip him with that elbow and then just kind of just push him out of the way. Yeah, and Denver's home opener, that was probably DeAndre Ayton's second or third NBA game you think he had that in the back of his head that Nikola Jokic just completely embarrassed him? Sure, definitely. I'm sure that's why he came so hard after him in that second quarter. What do you think about Paul Millsap getting back in this game? I was a bit surprised when I saw he was playing. We spoke to him on Thursday at practice. He said there was still some pain in the right big toe that he broke three weeks back in Charlotte. So I thought he was maybe still a couple days away. That's why I had held firm on that January 1st prediction, a prediction that might look pretty good for Gary Harris here to get back against the Knicks on Tuesday. But Paul, 14 minutes off the bench, six points, three of seven from the field. It was good for him to get back out there. And Denver brought him off the bench like I thought they would. Last year when he came back against the Clippers, they brought him off the bench that game. Michael Malone said he'll probably ease Millsap and Gary Harris and Will Barton back into things, but it was good for him to get out there. Yeah, it was it was great to see Paul back out there with the headband too. I I guess that's going to continue. And you know what? I, I'm kind of here for it. Um, you know, it, it was just typical Millsap stuff. Just just grown man moves from the mid range in and and down low. Millsap, whenever he gets a smaller player on him, that dude just bodies him. Like I think it was Mikhail Bridges was on him, and he just took two dribbles, went right to the rim, and, and laid it up. It, it was encouraging to see him out there, man. Um, ate into Trey Lyles' minutes a little bit. I mean, Millsap got some light work, just 14 minutes. Lyles only logged eight minutes in this game, and, I mean, it wasn't very much time, but he didn't look great in the limited amount of time he was out there either. Yeah, the eight minutes, it's not a good sign for him moving forward here, especially with Will Barton and Gary Harris getting closer to coming back and obviously Paul Millsap back now, and his minutes are only going to be ramping up from the 14 here. Not a good sign for Trey Lyles moving forward. I predicted on this podcast last week that once everybody gets healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if he's cut out of the rotation entirely. I think there still could be some minutes here and there for him, but he's in a tough spot right now. This was by far his worst game over this recent stretch, I think, and that says something because he's had a bunch of clunkers here recently, but he just looked out of it uh, in Phoenix 
scored two points, 0-2 from three. He's just got to get that confidence back. He's got to see some of these three-point shots go down. I got to think that's the only way he's going to get that confidence back. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's hard to envision a, a pathway for him to get double-digit minutes every night when the Nuggets get healthy. Wancho, I think, has, has proved that he needs to be in this rotation. And if yep. it's going to come down to Wancho or, or Trey Lyles for those backup power forward minutes, because nothing's happened to Mason Plumlee's minutes. Like, he's been great at his backup center. If it's between Lyles and Wancho for backup power forward, Wancho deserves a play, man. Well, I think your backup power forward now might be Mason Plumlee. You know? What do you mean? He's the guy who you might sub in. Maybe that's your first sub of the game. Oh, okay. Because you know how often Trey Lyles and Nicole Jokic used to play together, even in first quarters? Sometimes the first sub of the game would be Trey Lyles in for Paul Millsap. Maybe your first sub of the game when you're looking at the front court is Mason Plumlee for Paul Millsap. Yeah, yeah, they, they could go big ball. They they weren't really going big ball too much whenever Paul Millsap was healthy. That was just a kind of kind of a thing that cropped up this year when Millsap went down, but right, it's but, possible. But back then, Trey Lyles was still, well, he wasn't doing it this season, but there was still hope out there that he could get some threes to go down this season. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, this, this stretch of games without Millsap. I mean, it was only eight games. Last year was 44, much longer amount of time, but... Lyles was, was great in that, that stretch without Millsap last year and not so great this year. I'm not going to sit here and say Trey Lyles is out of this rotation for good. He's not even out of the rotation right now. I'm, I'm sure he'll still get some minutes here, even with the Nuggets getting fully healthy. It's not going to be many minutes. Maybe it's around 10 per game. He'll have an opportunity still to earn more minutes, to prove he can knock down three-point shots, to prove he can score on the block again and play winning basketball. He'll get an opportunity. He'll, he'll get his fair share. It's not like he's going to be banished to the end of the bench forever now after this stretch of games, but now it's going to be an uphill climb for him to get the 20 minutes that everybody had penciled in for him and, and that he was getting at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and things change really quickly too. I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming the Nuggets are going to be at full strength at some point, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, this game against the Knicks, I would anticipate Paul Millsap moving back into the starting lineup. I mean, it only took him one game last year when he was coming back from a 44-game absence, but it could be a little bit different this time. When you have a broken toe, it's not like you can keep your cardio up really and stay in really good basketball shape like he could have last year in theory with a broken wrist. He can still run and get conditioning in. With the wrist, it's a little different than the toe. So we'll see if he gets a start against the Knicks. I'm predicting Gary Harris gets back for this game against New York on Tuesday. He seems really close to getting back here. We spoke with him on Thursday. He, he seemed like he was right on the cusp of returning. Uh, so we'll see if he gets some minutes. All right, we got more to get to from this game. First, though, I want to tell you guys about some game-changing coffee. Strava Craft Coffee is the CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. First off, their reviews are incredible, so make sure you check these guys out. This CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's also helped decrease anxiety. You name it, CBD is all natural. It's not psychoactive. The coffee is also rich and tasty, and we could not recommend it anymore to our listeners. Check Strava Craft Coffee out for yourself today and receive 20% off when you use the promo code BSN2010 at checkout and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. On the subject of Wancho, 
you brought him up as a guy who could take and continue to take some of Trey Lyles' minutes at power forward. He's been playing mostly three this year. He's been rebounding the heck out of, out of the ball. That might be the biggest revelation I've had about Wancho this year. He's such a gifted rebounder. He can jump. He's got good anticipation, good ball skills. I do wonder how much of that is going against small forwards instead of maybe interior guys because you know, he's getting checked by six, eight, six, nine guys who he has a bit of an advantage over. But maybe some of it's that. Really, though, he's a gifted rebounder, and I think he could do it against a lot of different guys. He's been playing great. He might have been the biggest benefactor of all these injuries, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, you'd have to go with him or Malik Beasley, right? Yeah. Those are those are the two main guys. Um, of course, those, those guys were first-round picks in 2016, um, a part of that same draft class with Jamal Murray. Looks like the Nuggets got three keepers out of that draft class, which is is pretty remarkable. And yeah, man, I mean, Wancho, I just think you need, I hope he's around for next couple of years because he's so good playing next to Nicole Jokic. Such a great fit within this Nuggets offensive system. Good rebounder, like you said. He's improved on the defensive end. And then Malik Beasley. I was probably a higher on Wancho than Malik coming into this year. Malik has done a lot to change my perception of him as a player. He hit five threes in this game against the Suns. He's now shooting above 40% from three-point line. I did not see Malik shooting above 40% from three this year. I didn't either. And if you look at what he did in the month of October, I believe he shot 4 of 16 from three in October. Ever since November 1st, he's been around a 40% shooter from three. So this isn't just a one- or two-week or even a one-month sample He's pretty much been a 40% three-point shooter for most of this season. It's a tremendous improvement. You said that it would be nice to see Wancho and Malik around long-term. It definitely would be. I believe they both fit pretty well here. The fact of the matter is I think it's going to be tough to keep both those guys long-term. You know Jamal Murray's going to be here. He's up for an extension next fall. I don't know what's going to happen with Paul Millsap, but you got to think they want to bring him back next year, whether it's on that team option or on a multi-year deal at a lower dollar amount. Uh, Monte Morris is already locked in, but it does seem like it's going to be a bit of a challenge to keep both Malik and Wancho. I mean, if you're around the league and you're looking at those two guys, two young 23 and under guys who can both really shoot it, who are both athletic, both seem to be fairly high IQ players. I would want any one of those guys around the league. If you're the Nuggets, who would you rather keep long-term if you had to choose between one for this team? Would you keep Wancho or would you keep Malik? Harrison, you're going to make me choose? I'm making you choose because I could see a scenario a year from now where Denver's got to choose. So I want to hear what you would do. Oh, man. I, I just came on here to shout out Malik's game, and now you're making me choose between them. Um, oh, that's, that's pretty tough. Um, do you want me to go first? Yeah, you can go first. I would choose Wancho. And it's not even because I think Wancho has the higher ceiling and can be the better player, because I don't. I think Malik Beasley's got a higher ceiling than Wancho if you're just looking at a player like him in a vacuum. But... I do think Wancho fits what the Nuggets want to do slightly better. It's not my butch, but I think he fits the makeup of this team and how this team wants to play slightly more than Malik does with 
just how he moves the ball. I think he's a slightly more pure shooter than Beasley, too. I could see Wancho shooting like 45% from three at some point throughout his career, maybe this year. <laughs> but um, I would choose Wancho, and maybe Wancho's the cheaper option as well. I could see that scenario unfolding, too. I would probably go with Wancho, too, just because, I mean, he fits like a T playing Jokic ball. He's he's just a perfect player to play in this system. I, if you're making the case for Malik, one of the things I would say is this Nuggets roster isn't especially athletic, and mm. Malik brings that element of athleticism that I think is sometimes lacking. I think he's far and away the most athletic player on this roster. He's just an insane in-game dunker. Pretty good on-ball defender. I think he does lose focus sometimes defensively, but I think he's got a chance to be a plus defender for a while. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's it's just kind of um, it's tricky because Wancho probably is a better fit, but Malik has that athleticism that not many other players do on this roster. Here's another thing. There's a real path towards Wancho being a starter for this team long-term. I don't think I see that with Malik because I, I think there's a better chance that Wancho is maybe your starting three long-term or your starting four long-term than Malik is your starting three long-term, right? Because he's not going to be at the two. Gary Harris has that position locked down. And, and I think... Wancho at the three is a slightly more enticing option than Malik there. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know that you could start Malik at, at the three over the course of an 82-game season. I mean, I, I think that can work in, in in spots. But, yeah, that Gary Harris is definitely blocking the way there at shooting guard, yeah. and I don't see anybody supplanting Gary Harris. Right, but, I mean, man, Malik is an attractive prospect right now. Just, what, 22 years old? Yeah, I mean, if, if he keeps this up, think about the offer sheet somebody's going to throw at him this the summer after this one. Oof. I would not want to think about that if I'm the Nuggets. Yeah, it's going to gonna be huge money. I mean, guys who can shoot the ball like, like he's shooting from outside who, who are that athletic, and they make big money in this league. Yeah, they certainly do. So luckily for Denver, they likely won't have to worry about that for a while, at least for another year. But those two guys are playing at elite levels. I got to think that Malik or Wancho, probably Wancho just because he's gotten the start here and he's been playing 30, 35 minutes every night, or sometimes Malik is still in the 20s. Wancho is probably the biggest benefactor to all these injuries. He's emerged in this really central role. He's shooting the ball a ton. He's so involved with everything the Nuggets are doing right now. It's been cool to see him mature here. But Malik is right behind him. And what he's done as a shooter over the last two months and without three starters over the last three weeks has spoken volumes about just his maturity as a player. All right, final notes from this game, though. The Nuggets won a game where they turned the ball over more times than their opponent. They committed 21 turnovers against Phoenix. Phoenix only had 13. That's pretty rare for Denver this season. The Nuggets, what's gotten into them from three? Other than Jamal Murray suddenly finding his stroke, they are really shooting the ball well from three over the last few games. We'll see if Gary Harris can find his stroke when he gets back here. Remember, he's been out for a while, but when he was playing, he was not shooting the ball incredibly well from distance. Denver, by the way, up to the 13th most accurate three-point shooting team in the league this year. Yeah, going into this year, I thought there was a pretty good chance that the Nuggets starting backcourt each shot above 40% from three this year. That's Jamal Murray and Gary Harris. Well, it turns out the backup 
uh, guards are both shooting above 40% this year. Yeah. I don't know if Murray was ever going to be a 40% guy for me. 40's tough. Murray's, I think, is a little too streaky to get to 40. 37 and a half last year. Yeah. But you've got Wancho, you've got Monte, you've got Malik, you've got Will Barton, who can all finish around 40. I don't think Will's a 40% guy, but I'll go Wancho, Malik, and Monte. I think could all be 40% guys. Gary, too. So that's four. Well, it was a good win for the Nuggets. Like I said, not really anything else to get to. thought Mason Plumlee had an okay game. Only 22 minutes for him. Not his best, not his worst, though. Monte struggled at times, just one of six from the field. Uh, four assists for him. Minus 15, a team worst minus 15. You don't really see that out of Monte Morris too much. But next up for Denver, at home against the Knicks on New Year's Day. They finished the month of December 8-4, and four, which yep. is pretty freaking amazing considering they played most of the month without three starters. Right. And I had predicted that they go 10-5 and five in this stretch, and so far they're 2-2. Two and two. I'm projecting another one here coming up against Emmanuel Moutier and the Knicks on Tuesday, though, so they should be 3-2. and two. Heading into a couple tough road games, they got a couple tough home games mixed in there. 10-5 and five would be amazing, though, over these next 15 games. All right, prediction time. This is our last episode we're recording before the new year. Give me some 2019 predictions for this Nuggets team. So I learned my lesson about firing off just barrel fire hot takes when we did our G League podcast. So these are... Summer League podcast. Oh, yeah, our Summer League podcast. So these are these are pretty lukewarm ones. But first one, it's pretty obvious. Nikola Jokic makes his first All-Star game. Breaks the Nuggets drought. Uh, there's not been a Nugget who's been an All-Star since Carmelo Anthony. Huzzah, Harrison. Huzzah. Number two, the Nuggets win a playoff series. I don't okay. know. Do you... Do you feel like that's too optimistic? I, I no. Honestly, I've readjusted my expectations to where I think they probably should win one. We've spoken about that. Winning a playoff series is probably the expectation now. That's going to be the expectation on any team that finishes first or second in the Western Conference, which I still think is a realistic possibility for this team. So I don't think that's crazy at all. Yeah, I mean, a, a top three seed is doable and that's almost the expectation now i mean you you weathered all these injury storms you got reinforcements on the way nicole or i'm sorry jamal murray's finally finding a stroke so man i i kind of like the nuggets to get a top three seed and win a playoff series like i said and then my final prediction of 2019 this is an offseason thing but i think the paul Millsap is going to be back and i i believe he'll be back on a restructured deal i don't know that Nuggets are going to pay him $30 million next year. This is just my gut feeling, not really reporting anything. But I just I just get the sense that Paul Millsap really likes this situation and understands that he can win here during you know, his twilight years. Right. This is what Paul Millsap came here for. He didn't come here to be fighting for the eighth seed. He came here to be a playoff team. you know, And that's what the Nuggets are doing right now. If you had to predict right now what seed the Nuggets get, this year in the Western Conference. We're approaching the halfway point of the year. We're not too far out. What seed do you think the Nuggets capture in April? Um, I'll say the three. I think that okay. Golden State and OKC will finish above them. I like that. I'm going to say the three as well, but I think it's going to be Golden State and Houston finishing Ooh. above them, just well, like last year. 
I'm cool with Houston fishing above them because I don't really want the Nuggets to face them in round one. Right. You would have to face them in the conference semis if Denver did get there. I'm with you at the three. I think that's a plausible scenario for Denver. The one or two is certainly in reach. They're on pace right now, but it will be tough to get there. Here's my boldest prediction. I agree. I think Nicole Jokic will make an all-star team. My bold prediction for 2019 is Jamal Murray goes for 50 points. Oh, you think he's getting it? I think he's going to get 50 points. Look, they play the Suns two more times, <laughs> so it could come in one of those two games. <laughs> That'd be my prediction. It comes against Phoenix. They go on the road January 12th again to Phoenix and at home January 25th, but I think he gets 50 points. He wanted it last night against the Suns. I thought for a second he might be in a similar scenario to what he was in against Boston. Yeah, I think he would have been if away he had... or something with uh, the game a little out of hand. He missed one of those free throws to put him at 47, right? Yeah, 46. Yeah. Man. Finished with 46. That would have been beautiful. Yeah, he wanted 50, though. You, you could certainly tell. I don't care what he says afterwards. He definitely wants 50 bad. And I believe he's going to get it. Look, he's had two games like this, and he hasn't even really shot the ball well this year. When he gets in a groove, when he gets in a rhythm, I think he kind of could have some more games like this. And I mean, if it's a close game for all four quarters, I think he gets there. My other prediction is Michael Malone finishes the year top three in coach of the year. It's not super bold right now. He's probably one of the front runners at this point in the year for coach of the year with the Nuggets at the top of the Western Conference. If he can keep this up for, what, another two months? He'll be coaching in the All-Star game. That will be some moment if Michael Malone's coaching in the All-Star game. Let's go. All right. Well, I think that's all we got for today. Thanks for listening, guys. If you got a second, we would really appreciate a five-star review over on iTunes. Helps us grow the show. Helps us know that you guys keep supporting the show. I know we didn't get to any questions today, but we will get to those on Tuesday's edition of the BSN Nuggets podcast. We'll talk with you then. The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that, that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe, a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it, from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age to potentially have, have given my father a, a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinol's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out elixinol.com.